Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright from Slow Motion Hero Moments. <laughs> Today we're talking about Minute 125, which begins with pushing the button and ends with Tony's info about the nuke coming in. Again, uh, shout out to Dr. Arnold T. Blumberg, who ended up not being able to make it today to talk about this with us, but um, we certainly are looking forward to future conversations. This is the drama of the nuke. Even some kind of melancholy music coming in. Oh, everything's sad because they're going to get blown up. (laughs) Do you think that's what was in the pitch for this scene? Everyone's sad because they're going to get blown up. I think so. Love, Stan. (laughs) detonation two minutes 30 seconds mark so pete will just have to keep tracking two and a half minutes from now if it does in fact go off oh that's a good point yeah i know i'm i'm full of them full of good points (laughs) okay (laughs) um we start this uh minute with our uh faceless pilot here as he is launching this nuke this is brent mcgee um, I, we should have already talked about him on the IMDb game, because I don't think I'm going to do that. I didn't mark it, so I'm going to imagine that we already have the done that. past Pete and Andy already did that? Yes, yes. All right. We go from him to Thor and Cap in slow-mo, as they're kind of having this moment in their fight. This is kind of an interesting little, uh, interesting moment that we have here. Right as they as they decide to kind of come in on the two of them mid fight, uh, Thor is uh, about to catch Mjolnir. Cap obviously did his little boomerang with the shield because it's coming back, and and uh, he grabs it, and then the two of them go into the speed ramping as they go into um, regular motion and kind of start taking out some Chitari. What do you think of the decision to kind of come in on this? I like it. You do. I it is weird. It's weird. I think it's weird. But it is a it's like a tableau. Like when you look at the the just sort of hero moment of both Cap and Thor and they're calling their avatars of honor and justice from somewhere in the wind. Like pausing on this minute, it looks like a, a religious artifact. Like it is it is. I think it's really beautiful. I love the flame plume in the background. I think the weird Jatari trying to stand up in the back is is like it. It all just weirdly works for me. And I think I think it's a it's a sum is more than the or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts moment because I already am in the bag for the giant sort of like portrayal of the city moving slowly over the city uh, and then with the the melancholy music like it just it just works for me and it's brief it doesn't seem egregious it's it's brief here's fighting is still happening right like we're still actively involved in this crusade against the you know faceless warriors and i like it sounds like you don't no i mean actually i think your point of this kind of especially in the realm of comic books and kind of the tableau you'd have on a on a splash page or something it does kind of have that feel of one of these moments that you're trying to capture and so uh, you know i thought i I've, i always kind of think it's an odd choice but i think your explanation of it really makes sense and kind of sells me on it so um 
also, I suppose there is this idea of this gearing up from switching to this kind of mournful, melancholic nuke sadness that we have as the missile has been launched. We've got two and a half minutes ticking down to cutting back to fighting. And I suppose it's just another way to kind of shift from kind of like, oh, everything's sad now to, oh, we're still fighting. It's probably not exactly two and a half minutes anymore, though, because of the speed ramp. Like, time is moving more slowly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. How do you take that into account? I have no idea. I guess we'll oh find goodness. out when we get to when the nuke blows up, because we'll just know. They must have thought of that already. Those I'm sure seconds. they thought of that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, attack, uh, Cap takes a blow to his gut, which uh, seems, I mean, you know, he's had, obviously it's been a tough fight and, you know, he is a super, but still, you know, supers can only go so long. This, uh, you know, the blast to the gut from the blue pew pew, uh, staff, uh, it definitely looks like it hurts him. I mean, it knocks him to the ground and it takes a, a beat to get up. You know, I like how Thor rescues him by basically throwing a whole car at, at all the Chitari. <laughs> that's like, that's a great move. Very efficient. It makes you think they should throw more cars. Yeah. I mean, that's, like the war could have been won had Thor just hit more cars. Right. I know. Also, this is, you know, we haven't seen him toss Mjolnir enough. Like he's been wielding it the whole time. But this, we do get him after he kind of hits this car with the with Mjolnir and it rolls and crushes all the Chitari. He tosses it. And I, I like how he helps Cap. But while he's helping Cap, you just kind of hear this tink, tink, tink as it keeps taking Chitari out as it's flying <laughs> I off. I love that he's so casual, like watching it run. Like he's just let his puppy off at the dog park. Right. And it's just doing its thing and it'll come back. And then his arm goes up and he, he catches it so casually. This is it. It's a very cool Mjolnir like side minute. He's so low key. Yeah, right. It's it does speak to like in the Thor movie when Matthew and I were talking about it, we were trying to figure out, does it keep going while he's thinking about it going um, because we hear the tink, 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 but as soon as he kind of bends down to help Cap, that kind of fades away. And it does make me wonder if he took a number of them out, and then when he went to help Cap, Mjolnir just kind of fell to the ground until he calls him here in another moment. I, I was wondering the same thing, like what happens? And he obviously doesn't care, because no one else is going to pick Mjolnir up. It's not like, oh, I left my phone at the coffee shop. Like, he doesn't. Who cares where Mjolnir? People might find Mjolnir. He'll just call it from wherever he is. Who cares? Because no one else is going to run off with it. Don't you wish, though, that you could have that power with your phone or your bike? Oh, you know, you don't have to God. lock your bike up. You just kind of put it there, and then no one can budge it until yeah. you come back to take it. I wish that about a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, I like the bit with him and Thor there or with Cap and Thor. It's this moment of kind of recognition that they're both heroes. They're both a little worn down, but they're both going to keep going. I, I like, you know, Thor, you ready for another bout? And then Steve's like, what, you getting sleepy? It just it feels very, uh, very much Brooklyn of him to kind of respond that way. And clearly they're they're both kind of feeling it. But, you know. I, I don't know. I just I like the way that they play it to kind of keep going. And although we've never really seen Thor's stomach wound, I like the idea that now they are brothers in in stomach in wounds. stomach wounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you call that kind of brother? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, weird. <laughs> I don't know that I need to be that. Belly brothers doesn't quite sound good. <laughs> I don't need to be belly brothers with anybody. <laughs> 
Uh, well, uh, we go from these two back up to the top of Stark Tower. Nat is on the roof. I don't know how she got down below to get the scepter. Like, they had seen, she and Eric had seen the scepter, and he realized that could be something to help. And now she has it. Uh, from I mean, every shot we've ever seen, I've never seen like a ladder or something that would get to this very top part of Stark Tower. I'm assuming, I mean, in buildings, they usually have ways to kind of navigate this sort of thing. We just don't know what it is, but it does make you wonder, how did Nat get down to below to the the um, uh, the living level where the scepter had fallen and then back up? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, some interior stairs, because there's no director's, like there's no cutscene that, that demonstrates her dramatically walking downstairs no (laughs) if there is a superhero they're going to show dramatically walking downstairs it would of course be clint not speed (laughs) speed ramped clint yeah you're right (laughs) um okay this is this beat where we um we're going into this thing where i guess we will have talked about this already but this idea of selvig having built this safety mechanism into this whole thing that they're now going after. As we've talked about before, we have questionable thoughts on the idea of Selvig bringing in a safety mechanism because he is so in the bag for Loki and science. Like, what is he, what, if he wasn't in his right mind, why would he have done that? It's just one of these things that feels very written as opposed to just realizing, hey, like, I, I don't know. I know we've already gone on about it. I just feel like they've already done what they could to establish some form of connection between the Scepter and the Tesseract. I think it would have been fine to realize, oh, there's a connection between them. It might be able to get through its energy. Let's give it a try. And then do that without this whole, all this nonsense. But The subterfuge. Yeah. Giving Selvig uh, agency when he had demonstrated none. Yeah, right. And, and then it just ends up feeling a little more scripted. Totally. All right. So, but Natasha's at this point where she can actually close it. She's like in the energy as she's pushing the scepter through it. And this is the moment where there's a shift in plan because Steve wants it to get shut. And Tony now realizes there is more that has to be done. This is like the big hero moment for Tony because he sees that the nuke is coming and uh, is going to cause a problem. And now Tony is devising his new plan here. Yes. So Tony's saying don't do the thing because we know already that Tony's going to try and catch the nuke. I don't know if we know that. Do we know that? I mean, did you know that that was what he was thinking? Well, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking he was thinking. Did you not think that he was thinking that? I don't think I was thinking that he was thinking that. Wow. What did you think he was thinking, if not that? I would not have been thinking that up to this point in the film. But the minute he said that, I would have probably started thinking, oh. That's what I'm saying he was thinking and when he started thinking it. Okay. But when you started thinking that he was thinking it. It was the moment he said he was thinking it. Okay. So then I think we're on the same page. (laughs) Are we thinking the same thing about what he was thinking (laughs) when he he began thinking it? It was like the moment he said, don't close the hole, I'm thinking he's going to try and catch the nuke and fly it up into the hole. Yeah. And it just because, like, I'm a super audience member that I feel like I understood that before the rest of the soups. 
but I think that they probably will think this. I will talk about it in tomorrow's minute. Yeah, we when will. we actually fit, when Tony finishes his thought and the and we get a response, it's probably going to be um, us and the supers all realizing it at the same time. But us a little bit before because we're better. Because, <laughs> because we're better. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, this is the Verrazano Narrows Bridge that the nuke is uh, flying under right at the very end of this minute. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, more in tomorrow's minute with our guests. Yes. Uh, so that's it for today. Any last thoughts about this one? No, I am just like, so, uh, yes, I do. I lied. I have one more thought. I just want to say that I scrubbed back in the minute and the pilot says, countdown two and a half minutes, he starts talking at right about six seconds into this minute. So by the end of this minute, he has, we, uh, we are about 54 seconds in on the ticking clock of the two and a half minutes. Right. So it should blow up. Sometime at the, near the end of minute 127. Around, yeah, in minute 127, it should be about 127 and 34 seconds. Or yeah, so. that's what we're counting on. We will that's find out looking for. in a couple of days. Right. Yes. And again, that will be a minute with just the two of us because Dr. Arnold T. Blumberg, unfortunately, it was not able to join us. Yeah. And so that is another uh, one where we're giving the shout outs to Blumberg. So it's just you and me. So we'll be here. He deserves to be here. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's it for today. Remember, check out MarvelMovieMinute.com to learn more about the show, get all the links from everything and learn more about our membership. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 126 with good old Lester Clark and Keenan Diaz from The Exorcist Minute. Should be fun. So, Pete, thanks as always. Oh, tomorrow, Andy. Thor himself is back as a guest on the show to talk about more stuff. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.